Hey everyone, welcome back to the Nerdy Podcasts podcast. I'm Cassidy and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Divs. Hey guys! And we're back with another episode. Uh, this time we're talking about the Assassin's Creed Valhalla DLC, Wrath of the Druids. Uh, this DLC is fairly recent. It came out on May 13th. So mm-hmm. as of our recording this, it hasn't even been out a week. But I think by the time we yep. post this, um, it might be over a week. But, um yeah, mm-hmm. um, but walkthroughs are available on YouTube, and I think there's all sorts of spoiler-free and spoilery reviews on the internet. So if you're interested and you haven't had a chance to play the game uh, or the DLC, do check them out. If you yep. have had a chance and you're interested in listening to what two crazy fans have to say about the DLC, then stick <laughs> around because I think we're getting into all sorts of spoilery territory. So just be warned, um, we've finished almost everything there is to finish in the DLC, so we're getting into everything. Absolutely! So, with that, let's talk about the cool uh, new stuff that we got to do in this game, right? Because the, it's a change of setting, it's a change of pace for uh, Eivor. Um, she gets to know that um, she gets to know that she knows a king in Ireland, which, is, which she's very skeptical about. Um so let's talk about all of that because it's some really cool stuff going on. Let's talk about the setting first. Ireland, how cool was that? Oh my god, it was so pretty and it was so nice mm-hmm. to get. Not that I had anything against England because England was also very gorgeous, but I mm-hmm, think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's something like I think that whole area in general, or just lots of areas in general, just have like this magical quality about them. But Ireland, especially, yeah. I think that it's just steeped in like a lot of mythology and mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of. I guess there's a lot of elements of fantasy um, mm-hmm. that you can kind of see in the DLC. And so it was really cool to get a new area to explore that kind of felt familiar, but was also new and uh, had a lot of new things to offer. So, yeah, it was a ton of fun roaming around and exploring Ireland. Um, it yep. was a beautiful setting, beautifully uh, rendered. And so um, I was really happy we got to explore. I don't know about other people, but... I really so was that. I, <laughs> definitely. So now let's talk about the characters we meet. Um, let's start with Azar because she's the one who comes to Ravensthorpe and basically tells Eivor uh, that she that she has a message for her from someone she knows. So let's talk about her a little bit because I think she's a unique character for a lot of reasons, and I think it's really cool. But let's expand. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, she is an acquaintance or friend of uh, Hytham's, and um, Mm -hmm. she's the character that kind of starts you on your journey and kind of, I wouldn't say drags Eivor to Ireland, but she convinces Eivor to go to Ireland, um, and she's really cryptic about why Eivor needs to go. Mm -hmm. Uh, She just says there's a king, and uh, the king claims that he knows Eivor and requests her help, and Eivor is kind of... I wouldn't say suspicious, but she's like, I don't know anybody in Ireland. I'm really, there's no reason or need for me to go. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I think Eivor's kind of skeptical about why she has to go. But once she does get there, um, the answer is pretty apparent. But um, Azar is a really interesting character because I think, at least, I think this might be one of the first characters in a long time that Ubisoft has confirmed um, is uh, a gender non-conforming character. Yeah. And... um, non-binary as well potentially if i'm if i remember yeah, correctly yeah i think so the way um, this person dresses and how they present themselves yeah i'd say so i think yeah maybe that's not confirmed but i think depending on um mm. how how or like what 
a player's perception of Azar, I think you could make a case for that. But either yeah. way, we learn a little bit about Azar's past. Um, mm-hmm. She she actually uses uh, she, her pronouns or female pronouns, but she mm-hmm. dresses like a, a man. And I think that's partly because um, when she was doing business yeah. in the Middle East, she was that's because unable to, yeah, yeah exactly, unfortunately exactly. unable to conduct business as a woman. So she dressed as a man. And I think um, according to like some of the in-game documents, it's um, noted that Azar is, uh, doesn't identify as either male or female, but does use female pronouns. So I thought mm-hmm. that was really cool that Ubisoft even Absolutely. had a character like Azar and then also took into consideration pronouns because I feel like That's they may or may important. not have. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of surprised that they considered that. I was fully expecting mm. them to not consider that. But I think if you read that document, which I believe is in Ravensthorpe, um, that information is mentioned. But again, it's yeah, a little no, bit sad that it's buried yeah, in a document. <laughs> Yeah, you can go into your, I don't know which section of the menu it is, Codex, if you go into the Codex, mm-hmm. you'll find, you can read about that there as well. But yeah, uh, let's also talk about Barid, because um, turns out he is a worse cousin from Rasta's side, so let's talk about Barid. Yeah, it was really interesting to get to uh, see Eivor's relatives. I mean, we only got to see two, but um, it's two more than we got to see in the main game. And it was really cool because, like you said, um, he's her uh, cousin from Rasta's side. And Mm -hmm. they actually spent, um, I think, some time together before Eivor um, and her family moved, I guess, to wherever their clan was or started their clan. But um, Mm -hmm. they actually grew up together for or spent time together for a brief period in Eivor's childhood. Mm-hmm. And so Barth kind of watched her. Uh, I wouldn't, maybe he didn't watch her grow, but he, they definitely had a, a they lot. They spent of, time uh, together, had fun together. Yeah, and, and um, Avor was actually born in his house, which I thought was like an interesting little detail that was revealed. Detail. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, we find out that um, Avor was born during a plague season, and unfortunately, Rasta wasn't able to. I guess, have Eivor mm-hmm. <laughs> in very many places or nobody would offer help and um, other than Barth's family. So um, they stayed with his family for a while. So it seems like she and Barth have a, a really good relationship and they're, they've been sweet. close for a very long yeah. time. Yeah, so it's nice to see that even though both of them have now left Norway, they kind of just pick back up where they left off. And mm-hmm. um, their interactions were always, I think, one of the highlights of the game because Barth is, even though he's Norse and he's, a Viking. Uh, he's kind of, I guess, an atypical Viking, or maybe not, not atypical, exactly but exactly the um, Viking type, you'd say. Yeah, maybe not. not. The I think typ- atypical would be right because I think just because there's like a like this image that Vikings have to be, you know, like yeah. you know, when constantly you like lusting for battle and like <laughs> kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he's very, I think, pragmatic, and he's like his whole goal is basically just to ensure that Dublin can stand on its own under his son's rule, and mm-hmm. that there's no like you know issues and her son won't have like any debts or whatever that need Absolutely. to be paid off and, yeah. and yeah, 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 yeah. the kingdom is basically secure and safe and his son can be a prosperous ruler which is you know a really nice thing but unfortunately uh his son doesn't feel the same way <laughs> at least at the beginning um yeah. but yeah it was really nice to get to see like some insight into Eivor's past and learn about it a little bit through Barya than just to get to see their interactions because exactly um, 
they were just it was a nice change i think especially coming from the main game where if you've played the main game um and you know how sigurd has been throughout it <laughs> yeah. um, i think Barth is like the brother of sigurd should have been but should sigurd have was been, a little yes. bit you know not all together there I think. <laughs> but yeah <laughs> yeah pretty much and again, you mentioned Siegfried because now, come on, let's talk about Siegfried because, dude, Eivor has a nephew now? I know, I think that was one of like the most surprising things. I was like, wait, she's an aunt? Like, did she know she was an aunt? Or is like, I don't she's think just she finding did. this out for the first time? Yeah. <laughs> but I think um, she's like, oh my god, Barry, do you have a son? Alright, cool. <laughs> yeah, but it was really interesting because, um, I mean, obviously, we don't see any, like, interaction between mm-hmm. Eivor and like any actual relatives in the main game mm-hmm. um so one seeing Barth was really nice but then learning that she had another relative it was like oh cool more family but uh Siegfried starts off like their I think interactions at first all start off a little bit rocky yeah uh, Siegfried doesn't He's quite like, appreciate eh. <laughs> yeah I, I don't think he quite appreciates what his father is trying to do for him um and for the kingdom in general I think he's just kind of like he wants to be the typical viking or like whatever that image of a typical whatever viking means be. whatever that means yeah, yeah I, know, I, know, I know I think he's just yeah. kind of like constantly thinking like we need to fight people we need to like secure our borders or whatever and he's just constantly like on Bard's case about trying to make peace and trying to win favor with Flan who's the High King of Ireland or going to be the High King of Ireland yeah exactly Um, but yeah Sigfrith is a little bit resentful and I think rebellious at first but over the course of the DLC it's nice to see that he kind of learns and grows and improves and it's not quite it so uh rash as he initially appears to be mm-hmm. um let's also talk about kiera uh because she's important uh let's talk about her and what she has to do with this entire plot yeah it was really interesting because she is the high poetess i believe yeah um, i don't know if that's her official title i can't remember but she's basically like Flan's right hand person <laughs> whatever um, that is yeah, and, I know. Um, exactly, it was really interesting exactly. because she is a pagan so she's not Christian and Flan is very much a Christian so it was really interesting to see that he had a, somebody who's not Christian in a very high position um, basically like right underneath him and um, mm-hmm. it was kind of I think especially interesting because in the main game we know what Alfred's view of pagans are or anybody who's not yeah, Christian. exactly and so it was like a really almost like stark contrast to the way alfred was like going about life in england and <laughs> trying to like i think convert people who are not christian or it was like convert or like burn at the stake type thing whereas flan was he seemed a little bit more tolerant even though um he was still i think a very like devout christian or he mm. definitely like was not a pagan (laughs) so it was really interesting that kira um you know being a pagan was in such a high position of power and um they seem to have like a really good relationship they really trusted each other and kira was Mm -hmm. really like determined um and really kind of bent on seeing flan become crowned high king and i think part of that may have been because flan at least was taller and she kind of knew where he stood whereas the other kings um or if anybody tried to challenge flan it would be like a little bit difficult to, I think, uh, gauge where they stood and like what their view of pagans were. And I'm my guess, anyway, is that they probably wouldn't be too tolerant. So I think maybe she thought that like 
Flan was as good as it was going to get. <laughs> or the lesser of two evils, maybe, yeah, whatever that maybe. is. And at least he was, like, tolerant. So, you know, if he was crowned king, then at least there mm-hmm. wouldn't be, like... You know, Outright, uh, like a witch hunt, yeah, for the pagans, uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much, yeah. So um, mm-hmm. it was really interesting to to see, and then we also learn um, as you play through the the DLC and you spend more time talking to her and doing a couple quests with her, we find out that she actually has a connection to the children of Danu, which are the cult um, members or cultists in the yeah. DLC. So that was really interesting because obviously when we meet her, she's not actually part of the children of Danu, but she does have ties to them. And we learned that she was once part of them when she was much younger after she lost her family. Um, and I think especially her mother, uh, she mentions that she was just kind of lost for a little bit and yeah. she kind of had to struggle to survive. So I think the children of Danu found her at a particular, particularly vulnerable point in her life. And mm. she kind of, I think, based on some of the things she had learned from her family, thought that they were doing, I guess, or preserving, I guess, their ways and, and doing exactly. what druids should be doing. But then she learns, as we do, that the children of Danu are not... Exactly. Uh, <laughs> to put it lightly. Yeah, to put it lightly. I mean, the druids have a different idea of life and the children of Danu probably are radicalized I guess yeah, I, I think they probably say. perverted that idea distorted yeah. it kind of mm-hmm. molded it to fit their own like weird agendas whereas druids are um, they kind of are they trying a, to live they, their life yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so, so let's talk about mm-hmm. uh, so let's talk about Flan because he's an interesting character I mean, he see. I think he seems a little distrustful of everyone around him. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit because that plays a lot into what happens in the game. It does, yeah. I mean, when we first hear of him, I think we hear of him very early on, and all we know is that he's going to unite, or he's attempting to unite all the different kings of Ireland and become high king. Um, and at first, it's kind of, at least to me, it was kind of strange that people like Bareth mm-hmm. and Kira would even want to support him because it's like, neither of you are Christian, so... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it could be you... you next. I mean, what are exactly. you talking about? Yeah, but um, I think as we go through the the game, Flan makes a lot of good points, or he comes across as like a generally level-headed guy, but he's got some trust issues, <laughs> which he I think does. is He definitely part, does. Um, because For there's... sure. <laughs> There's a number of instances where it's fairly obvious that, you know, things have been set up a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Flan just, he just kind of leads to conclusions. And I think one of the earliest instances of that is when um, after they take, he and, and Barad and Eivor and all their forces combined take Cashelor, exactly. uh, um, which is like this big fortress. And I think it was like a, a key strategic stronghold that they needed to to take to kind of you know help them to victory yeah exactly yeah the night after like all the christian soldiers or all of flan's men get sick and all of Barth's men are fine and some guy claims that he saw Barth poisoning the basically and- <laughs> yeah they basically frame Barth for this yeah and it's like well why would he help you only to poison you at the very end when you haven't even taken over all of Ireland. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, Barth has nothing to gain from this, like, at this particular from, moment. And yeah, basically like... he has nothing to gain from 
you know, hurting you because he's seeking your alliance, bro. Like, come on. I know. Yeah, it was a little bit strange. And like, just logically th- thinking through that situation, it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, why would he go into a battle and then after the battle has been won, poison you when he could have just poisoned you before the battle? <laughs> so um, sometimes Flan's logic, I don't know if it computes all the time. <laughs> I know, because, um, I mean, look, I get the fact that there's a lot of people out to get you, but, I mean, there there has to be a point where you have to be like, okay, I... I, I know I can understand why you'd have nothing to gain from doing this instead of being outright distrustful of people around you all the time, all the time, I mean. And, like, that was the kind of... um, frustrating thing because we learn from Barad that he he doesn't tell Eivor everything at the beginning but Eivor kind of yeah she forces him to, to you know spill the tea and he's like you know he explains that there is probably some animosity between him and Flan because <laughs> the king that crowned Barad that's actually, putting it lightly <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The king that crowned Barad, I think, killed Flan's father, I believe, and then married his mother. So it's like some weird, like Oedipus thing going on there, which Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) that's something else entirely. But um, I think because of that, um, Flan is probably not as trusting of Barad as maybe he could have been. But it was Mm -hmm. kind of frustrating because it felt like Barad was repeatedly trying over and over and over again to prove himself, and he was like making. But like you know, the slightest like thing goes one step forward, two like... steps backward. Like come yeah, on. so it's a little bit yeah. frustrating. It was like kind of just waiting at some point for Flan to like wake up and <laughs> realize that like you he want may to have shake the guy and be like, "Dude, listen," know. you know? <laughs> yeah, I but, get um, you. I'm eventually. You. Just, it was nice to see, but I mean, it definitely took a long time, and I think it came a little too little too late because too little too late um, because yeah we'll get to that because yeah, there's, <laughs> the there's a turning point but... <laughs> of it is yeah uh, let's talk about the children of Danu because they're interesting so um, let's talk about them as as the new sector villains that we have to face because they're an interesting uh, that's an interesting setup so yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it definitely is. I mean, they're, I think they're very similar to the Order of the Ancients in that I think their goals are ultimately the, the same. Mm-hmm. But I think because the children of Danu also had um, ties to paganism and, and mysticism, and think, really. Yeah, let's be I honest. Think they kind yeah. of like, you know, they, they had different, I think, fighting styles, which obviously we had, hadn't encountered in the main game mm-hmm. um and exactly uh, i think it's they different just, yeah. yeah i think the, for the purposes of the dlc i think the uh, developers and the writers and everybody did a good job because it felt familiar fresh. but it was still fresh enough that like yes i didn't really care that they were essentially just like you know the order of the ancients 2.0 <laughs> um mm-hmm. they, they were still something at least for me that like i didn't mind it. like it felt like fighting the cultists um, it just felt different compared to the fighting the Order of the Ancient members. It did. They had werewolves for crying out loud. I know, <laughs> which so, is like interesting. So, like, there's all these elements yeah. of like mysticism and like mythology that were like tied up um, and um, associated with the Children of Danu. But it was also really interesting to see how they had kind of taken, I guess, some of the like tenants that a lot of the the pagans had subscribed to um and kind of like distorted them to fit their own 
agenda. And mm-hmm. so yeah. it was really interesting to to get to learn a little bit more about this like new version of the cult and have like a yeah, new exactly. set of targets to fight. But um, yeah, I, I don't think there was anything too different like between them and the Order of Ancients in terms mm. of gold. They're both kind of mm-hmm. after the same thing. It was just two different methods or two different ways of getting them. <laughs> exactly. Um, so now let's talk about the how the plot. Let's talk about the plot here. So it's interesting that. Okay, spoilers. We're getting to the spoilers here. <laughs> It seems that the abbot who helped crown Flan High King is also responsible for... He's the leader of the Children of Danu, and he's the one, basically, you know... I, I think his agenda was to discredit, um, the, discredit the pagans or the druids, basically, and have them all wiped out. So let's mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it was really interesting to see because, again, I mean, his role is kind of, he's like the flan, but for <laughs> children of the Danu. <laughs> because he's, you know, again, really high. Mm-hmm. He has, a, like, in society, he's got, like, you know, huge position of power being the abbot and, like, yeah, I think Flan to be really. God's man or whatever. Yeah, and Flan yeah. really, like, trusted him trusted and him. looked yeah, up exactly. to him, I think, and maybe even to a certain extent relied on him for certain matters, but he's also the leader of the children of Danu, and so it was um, kind of interesting to see because we find out fairly early on um, during Flan's coronation um, that mm-hmm. there's a plot to, you know, end his life as early as, you know, I think it was like chapter two of the DLC or something. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. fairly early on yeah. in the DLC. And so um, you don't know who's behind all of this. This is when the whole poisoning, things ha- poisoning thing happens, right? It's um, actually before that. So the poisoning happens oh, yeah. after, um, yeah, after, sure. yeah, yeah, after they invade Cashelor. But this is like at Flan's coronation where all the kings and, you know, uh, I guess various people of importance or anybody who was invited gathered. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you have to do like a quest where you track down, mm-hmm. um, I think, a bishop or somebody. I think um, so, yeah. And so, yeah, we find you're out right, you're right. fairly early on that like there's already a plot to, to kill Flan and they may have gotten away with it if Eivor hadn't been there and if she hadn't kind of pieced together some clues. And, I think basically um, he wanted uh, Flan, uh, he wanted the wanted to frame the druids for this whole plot and basically have Flan believe that, the, that all the druids are against him, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And it would have worked too, like you said, <laughs> had Eivor not pieced this whole thing together, I feel like, like you said. You're right about that. Yeah, I don't know how deeply they would have looked into it or considered it, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's a good thing Avor was there because they unfortunately didn't catch the culprits at that particular point in time. But at least they had some idea of like a rough idea. Yeah, of whatever nefarious organization was at work trying to kill Flan. So it was enough, I Absolutely. think, to alert him, which I think mm-hmm. was probably more than the cult the children of Danu wanted to do but um, I think Flan was probably happy that (laughs) they they kind of alerted him Mm -hmm. uh, 
to the, to the dangers. But yeah, the, yeah, the exactly, was, I think, exactly. I think at a certain yeah. point you kind of know that it has to be him. But when you look at all the characters at first glance, like yeah, when we first, first played the DLC, it's not the easiest thing um, to piece together. You're right. Yeah, about he doesn't that, seem like a likely sure. suspect. But sure. I think as you play through, and especially once you access to the cultist menu, I don't know why Ubisoft did this, but the, you know the little silhouettes that you see are not the greatest at you know <laughs> hiding. The, mm-hmm. the cult members i know uh, so i think at least i think for most people i would assume it's fairly easy once you've seen the abbot to kind of guess that he's the, the mm-hmm. grandmaster or ringleader whatever you want to call him yeah but, yeah you're uh, right you're right mm-hmm. but yeah he was like i think like an interesting reversal of like kira and flan's relationship he's like the opposite um he mm-hmm. might like be tolerating the pagans but he's got ulterior ulterior motives and they're not good basically yeah and his tolerance is is at a base level at most to be honest i think it's like conditional it's like i'll tolerate you guys so long as you help me like eliminate all the non-christians yeah which is is a weird not great thing yeah yeah that's like genocide on a cold stupid level um but yeah uh, let's also talk about I mean, I think his plan kind of unfortunately worked. I mean, considering how easily the other kings of Ireland were ready to just start an inquisition mm-hmm. um, when they found out about what the children of Danu were trying to do. So let's talk about that a little bit. Because, I mean, it it's very relevant to how some how our society operates even today, unfortunately. How yeah, it can be so easy. <laughs> to you know turn someone against a certain section of people just because they don't align with what you believe and that's horrifying you know it's yeah and that was a really sad thing too like watching that whole scene unfold because Mm -hmm. after you you know defeat um the abbot and Mm -hmm. kind of subdue the cult members Mm -hmm. um at least the main ones tied to the uh like main story of the DLC. Yeah, 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 yeah um, exactly. You get to see like the scene with Flan and all the other kings, including Sigfrith, who has now taken over because Barad unfortunately died unfortunately in battle. Died. Um, yeah, yeah, that was really yeah, sad. Yeah. But um, Sigfrith is now, you know, he's king and leader of Dublin or ruler of Dublin. So he's, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it. He's part of this meeting and, whatever. Yeah, yeah. and that was whatever a really sad is. thing to yeah. see that like they're they're you know brainstorming ways to ensure that this never happens again and one of the kings suggests an inquisition and Sigfrith is like yeah I think that's the best course of action to ensure that this never happens again and it's like mm-hmm. but you're not Christian either like this could just as easily be Have you been next you. time yeah like, exactly <laughs> what's to stop them from you know uh saying hey i'm going to go after all the danes in ireland and you're one of them dude like what's gonna happen to you then yeah exactly and so it was was really disappointing to see that like because you see after bard's death he kind of learns and grows and matures and takes on a lot of maybe not a lot but he does take on a little bit more responsibility responsibility Um, and then he kind of comes back and he's like yeah let's start an inquisition and it's like that's not the right course of action. I it's mean, the Druids have really done nothing. Not. Like, they were yeah. just existing peacefully and they weren't really bothering anybody as far as the game uh, makes it seem. But the children no, of Danu they were just they like. Were, yeah, they were just doing their thing. And the children yeah. of Danu were just like an extremist cult, 
basically <laughs> a radicalized right. version a radicalized exactly. sect of yeah. Druids. yeah so i was really disappointed to see that like sick fifth was now like advocating for just you know a whole group of people to be like rounded up and you know kind of mm-hmm. just you know punished for just believing in something that uh, even he himself didn't believe in because I don't think at any point he outright said I'm converting to Christianity or I believe in the same values that like Flan and other Christians believe it was um, I don't know it was just it was very strange to see him advocating for the Inquisition very disappointing too because it's like Mm -hmm. dude you know that's not the right course of action (laughs) it's not you're absolutely right it's really not it's not gonna help anybody yeah, I mean, oh god, it's. Let's also talk about the outcome of this council and how it affects Kira because it's. I can understand where she comes from on this, so let's talk about that. Yeah, it was. I think again, really. Uh, I mean, especially for her, I'm sure she probably felt uh, disappointed to know that this betrayed, and, and even betrayed. Yeah, that like Flan had, because no? Flan was really quick to side with the other kings, and like they said, Inquisition. He was immediately like, "Yeah, let, okay, let's go with an Inquisition." And it's like, you came this far, relied on people who weren't Christian. Like, you know, you clearly had some sort of like, you know, tolerance, and you were accepting of them enough to like have Kira be your, you know, high poetess. High poetess, which is supposed to be like and, a really and, high position, mind right, you. Right. Yeah. And, like, Barret and Siegfried were, like, supporting him. And I think he had gotten to a point where he was, like, he trusted them. Mm-hmm. And then to come, all like, to the end, all of a sudden be like, yeah, Inquisition. We're just going to, like, round up all the Druids and, like, do God knows what with them. It was, like, um, she was understandably angry. And I think anybody in her yeah. position, having done what she did to help him secure the throne, would feel, like, betrayed that he had then... It is betrayed. Yeah, it feels like a betrayal, like you said. You're mm-hmm. absolutely right. Because... Dude, the druids are her people, and for the for Flan to basically after everything, like you said, be like, yeah, you know what? The best way to do this is to wipe out an entire so- section of people so that something like this never happens again. Is dumb. I mean, it's, right? Yeah, and I think if she, I mean, hindsight is always twenty twenty. I- but I think if she had known what Flan's outcome, like what his decision would be, mm-hmm. if given the chance at the beginning, I don't think she would have helped him because I think yeah, exactly. She if was she, only helping yeah. him because it benefited her you know, people. Well, basically. not just her people, but like all of Ireland, because like Flan yeah. says at the end, you know, he's king of all of Ireland, not just the Christians in Ireland. So exactly. I think like you're right. Yeah, if she had any idea that at some point he would turn even briefly, and say that he was going to start Inquisition, she would have been out of there. <laughs> Should have been yeah. like, no, somebody else can have this job. I don't want it. Because I don't know that... I think she, they trust each other to an extent, but I don't know that it was... Um, I mean, I think given choice I mean, between I, saving yeah. her people and, like, you know, staying like on to help Flan, I think Kira would have chosen her people. Yeah, and I think she trusted him to do the right thing, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, he says like... as much at the end. He said he was just, like, very quick to, like, mm-hmm. you know, make a decision because he really wanted the support of the other kings, and they were kind of at a point where it seemed like he just about had it. And so I think he says something like, you know, I acted too rashly just to, you know, secure favor with the others or something to that extent. But it's like, yeah. you know, at that point, it was too little too late because the damage has already been done, and um, there's a pretty big decision that's rolled up in, like, the last mm. act of the game. Mm. Um, and I think 
it's probably safe to say that a good chunk of that <laughs> is Flan's fault. <laughs> it is Flan's fault. The fact that Kira went to La Leofall, uh, what was that called? Uh, Leofall? <laughs> yeah. She went to Leofall to activate its magic. Uh, it, it, it's his fault, really. Yeah, it, but I think like that's also part of it, like, I mean, as sad as that whole sequence was to watch, I think the kind of like the the true nature of the children of Danu's plan comes to light. Like at yeah, that they were just using her, moment. unfortunately. Yeah, and it was like really kind of sad to see because, like Abor says, I mean, ultimately, kind I I don't think Kira tried to do it or like set out to become just like the children of Danu, but basically using the Leofal and activating it and like unleashing its powers or its magic or whatever she kind mm-hmm. of put in motion exactly what the cult wanted or what the Donu wanted and so, it unknowingly like right like, yeah, yeah so it's yeah, like yeah. kind of sad that even though you've taken out like a chunk of them mm-hmm. um their their plan is like it's still in motion and unfortunately Kira is like the main orchestrator of that I guess uh, so yeah and then because of that obviously you know as part of the game you can't just let her <laughs> destroy all of Ireland or destroy Flan so you do have to fight her and then we have that pretty big choice at the end where you decide whether to kill her or spare her yeah so um yeah that was a, that was a it's a hard decision. choice man considering it is considering I mean she asks you to to kill her and she I think that the reason it's so hard is because it's framed in a way where it's like, she says like, if I live, then the children of Danu They'll still have her again. Yeah, right. yeah, they still have something that they can use leverage. That use her again, exactly. Right. Sure. So it's like, do you, you know, end her life there just because they could potentially use her somewhere down the line, or do you spare her and just take the chance that like she'll be safe and they'll never never use her again? But you can I never think, tell. It's a difficult choice. It absolutely. is. Yeah. But I think the if you after you make that decision, I think part of the outcome is the same either way. The Leofal is destroyed, so there's nothing really there for the children of Danu to use. Mm, but mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. if you choose to kill her, she does die. Um, no! but, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it was really sad too because like you spend so much time with her, and she's like the only romanceable character in the. DLC we'll talk about like, that. Yeah, it's a shame to kind of just kill her just because it's something mm-hmm. the children of Danu could do but that is an option but if you choose to spare her it's also bittersweet because um, she she's kind of just disappears she's like I'm done with Ireland or I don't think it's um, I don't think you'll see her again goes. in any case unfortunately no but she does send a letter I believe if you spare her um, when you go back to your little like home away from home in Ireland, in Dublin rather, um, there is a letter from her, but she's just wandering around somewhere, she says, and kind of just singing about, like, everything that happened, and um, so she's alive at least, but in terms of whether or not she's okay, that's a a different question. That's a different question, for sure. (laughs) Let's talk about the romance, because that's an interesting romance for Eivor. Let's talk about it. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Uh, Kira is the only romanceable uh, character, I think, in the DLC. Whoopsie. So, um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was the accident. I, I think, I think maybe they're trying, like the developers or Ubisoft. I don't know. Maybe they're trying to say something without quite saying it. But it's also like at this point, I mean, they should just come out and say it. <laughs> yeah, dude. But, Avor, uh, Avor has a type. 
Let's she just does, say yeah. redheads. Redheads, <laughs> like I mean, have you seen Randwi? I mean, <laughs> but it was it was really sweet. I mean, even though yeah. like their interactions are pretty brief considering the length of the DLC, it's you don't spend too much time with Kira. Um, it was still a really interesting and sweet relationship that started off really funny because <laughs> how many people can say that they met Avor because they were drunk and she threw him in a puddle of water? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? That was funny. That was actually was, hilarious. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I, it was hilarious. I'm not gonna lie. It was funny. Like, and Avar's, I mean, Avar's an interesting sense of humor. She's not. She does, yeah. <laughs> she's a very dry, droll sense of humor. It's like, it, it's like you don't realize that she's making fun of you, but by the time you do, it's like, wait, what? <laughs> I know. So, it's funny. I mean, but isn't it the kind of relationship that we're also kind of drawn to where they don't like each other at first, but then they get to know each other and then really do end up liking each other? It's, it's I interesting. I think so, yeah. <laughs> Although in this case, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know that they necessarily didn't like each other, but... It's not that I think they didn't like, like each other, but it, there was a little bit <laughs> friction, like, I might say. Yeah, you know? a little, because I think Eivor, part of Eivor's job was to bring Kira back to... Yeah. Flan's like coronation location mm-hmm. or whatever and she's like I'm not dragging you all the way up there and then Kira's yeah. like well that's fine like just don't tell Barry that got drunk because you know how the guy is and Avor's like yeah I know we're family <laughs> and she's like and oh like, snap whoops, whoops. <laughs> I kept my mouth shut <laughs> yeah. and Avor's like yeah you should have it's fine but you know <laughs> Reminds me of two other people who are like who who were who kind of butted heads earlier, but then they're really liking each other. <laughs> yeah, I know who you're talking about, but that's mm-hmm. another podcast. <laughs> no, that's never gonna make it to a podcast. <laughs> well, we'll see. We, we're not brave enough to do that nonsense. Yeah, maybe one yet. day, but that's <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll look into that later. <laughs> so, um. We are expecting another DLC sometime in the fall or summer. Mm -hmm. When do you think the Siege of Paris is going to come in? I think the earliest I heard was summer 2021. But um, I'm also, I mean, this DLC was delayed by two weeks. um, Just to, I think, give the developers more time to kind of iron out any issues. Let them have enough time. Yeah, I know, right? we We don't want burnt out developers because, like, there especially in, in these they times like the with game. the pandemic they've been a godsend you know just delivering game or like you know developing games for us to like you know pass time and whatnot so yeah, yeah um for sure for we sure. don't want developers working crazy hours and struggling to to put out oh, content so yeah no no need for crunch time that's like I know. no please don't yeah so i'm hoping that if if it is out this summer it's not you know like rushed, rushed. yes um but we'll see. I mean, everything I think is so like fluid now, and you know they could say mm-hmm. one day at first, and then you know two weeks later be like, no, no, no we're going to delay this like six weeks. So we'll see. But yeah, the I don't care if it's delayed. I mean, I'd be okay if it's delayed as long as we get a good final product. That's what I I'm think looking. So at. yeah, I mean, this I think this was a solid story. I don't it think was. it had too many surprises, but mm-hmm. um, it was a solid story. It was enjoyable. 
at least for me to play through. Yeah, um, and I think there sure. were enough new features in, in the DLC that kind of kept it feeling and fresh. Like cool new gear as well. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. So like the gear was really cool. And then we got the, the trading posts in this, which were not in the main game, unfortunately, which I think are really mm-hmm. cool. Um, there were a ton of fun to do. And so it was just like all these little, like, I wouldn't necessarily say side activities, but I guess that's kind of what they are. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But, you know, new things that just kind of, even though the DLC was much smaller than the main game, it still, it made it like an enjoyable yeah. to to play through. And um, Ireland is just beautiful to run through. So the, like, I think the DLC has been, at least for us, I think a lot of fun. I think we've both been really enjoying it. Absolutely. Let's, uh, last but last, not least, let's talk about the cool trading system that was really fresh that they brought in. Let's talk about that because I think yeah. that's a really cool feature. It is super cool. And so, uh, like we were saying, they, they have uh, trading posts now or um, trading depots. And so, um, when you start the DLC, all of these are under, well, they're not under Avor's control, they're controlled by different factions. Some people, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, one is even controlled by, or it's not controlled, but there's just like a pack of wolves living in there. <laughs> I know, right? So, um, I know, yeah, to, exactly. They're just occupied, the, let's say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you have to clear out the different trading uh, posts, and then you have to find a deed, and once you find a deed, um, you can build various different buildings in each uh, trade depot, and each one um, specializes mm-hmm. in like a different uh, type of goods and so once you build the depot or the trading post yeah. uh, and once it starts generating goods you have like a, a form of passive income in the form of resources so um, yeah, which is awesome. yeah, yeah and it fills yep, up yep, yep. really quickly and so you get resources that you can then trade with um, merchants from all these different nations that come to dock and or they come to to double into trade and stuff and so um it's kind of i think reminiscent of like the um i forget what you call it but there was like the, the you had like a fleet in black flag that you could just send off yeah, trade at like yeah, yeah. Would, uh, what was it called Kenway's i think maybe kenway's what? fleet or something yeah something i can't like remember that. yeah uh, but it's it's kind of similar to that just like a land-based version um and so that yeah. um you get to trade with all these different nations and, and mm-hmm. um, as a reward after you've completed cool like a contract. Stuff. Yeah, you get more gear and uh, cool tattoos and cosmetics and stuff. So it's really cool because awesome I think one stuff. of the criticisms yes. of the main game was that there was a lack of gear. So they've kind of worked on giving us more gear. So that was really cool. And it was just kind of fun yeah. to, you know, clear out a trading post and then hunt for the deed somewhere hunt for nearby. The deed and get started. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I also always enjoy the monastery raids. The raids are fun. They are, like, and we do really get more fun. monastery raids in the DLC, which is a ton of fun. Um, I always wish they were replayable because I do feel bad about you know burning and pillaging of like a monastery because they are beautiful places. But yeah, um, but sorry, you know, like the, <laughs> the act of like you know being in 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 like a like. I mean, I know it's all like fake, but like <laughs> just like the way they've recreated know, those raids and like the exactly, music and exactly. like hunting for treasure with your crew members in the monasteries. It's just, it's cool. But yeah, I it do feel a little bit bad that we're kind cool. of, you know, desecrating that space and terrorizing some poor monks. <laughs> I agree. So let's talk about. Okay, uh, let's also talk about the rumors of a third DLC coming on. What do you think of that stuff? I mean, that it would be interesting, but um, I mean, I'm, I'm just hoping that they're not trying to like rush anything through because no, of course not. Yeah, um, 
Mm-hmm. If it's if it's something that's planned and it's like a surprise that's been leaked, like that's one thing. But I'm hoping they're not like rushing anything through. But I did hear some rumors that um, instead of like a another game in 2022, um, the third DLC was kind of taking its place and so like there would be no major release in 2022 but the dlc would kind of um substitute i think 2021 right because this release in 2020 uh right but i think the the bonus like bonus bonus content (laughs) yeah Yeah, i know what you mean season Season past goes into 2021 so um i don't i don't really quite know how this information got out or whether it's a leak or, you know, I think at this point it's still kind of just rumors. Up in the air, uh, let's see what yeah, happens. But I that. think it, it there's rumors, like the DLC has to do with, uh, I think, Richard Lionheart. Um, so that would be interesting because, again, it's a time period that I don't think the franchise mm-hmm. touched on, but there's tons of them. But um, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it would be interesting, I think. But I'm hoping that if they do, like, another major release, um, that they go kind of somewhere different because i think there's still a ton of areas mm. that they could explore like anywhere in south america um anywhere oh my I know god that would be so cool yeah you know? we got a little bit of africa with origins because you know egypt but i think egypt, there's eh? there's so many other countries too egypt, that they could... but we even black flag went to africa for a little bit a little bit yeah but i think like but yeah origins egypt was, like, was the, the most that was, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah i absolutely it, agree um, there's all these other countries that they could do, like, you know, within Africa and then anywhere in, like, Southeast Asia that's not, like, China, India, or Japan. Um, that would I be know, really cool. for sure, for sure. So um, I'm hoping that um, the next game is is somewhere cool. I mean, I think everything, every location will be, like, made beautifully and... Uh, Rendered be, amazingly well. Right, I, yeah, there'll yes. be awesome environments to explore, but mm-hmm. um, I think we've been in, like, Europe <laughs> for a very long Europe time. Europe has no. been done. I yeah. will say that for so sure. It'll be interesting to see if they could do something else. Yeah, and let's also, uh, I mean, there's a, uh, for Origins and Odyssey, they followed a pattern, especially with the second DLC of getting more, getting into more mythical lore. But considering mm-hmm. that, considering that Valhalla already did the mythical lore stuff in the main game and so well integrated into the game, what do you? Th- how do you think the second DLC is going to play out? Considering it's called the Siege of Paris. Yeah, I think it'll be very like, um, like. It'll be the story. I think would have a lot more to do with Eivor than with any, I think, mythological mm, exactly. realm. And like you said, I mean, the main game already has Asgard and Jotunheim kind of mm-hmm. ruled into its story mm-hmm. or like as part of its story. So exactly. I think I don't know exactly. that they would necessarily recreate those worlds for us to play in. But I mean, there's also I or mean, maybe part add of, a new realm. Who knows? Right? Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. Norse mythology. Like the big thing is, or one of them, I think most well-known things probably is that there's nine realms so i mean there's more than asgard and jotunheim that they could recreate for us but it'll be interesting to see i mean i think right now um we know very little about the dlcs that are to come absolutely Um, we don't even know another dlc is coming after the siege of right exactly exactly we're not sure about that um, it'll be interesting to see. I think. I think probably as where we get closer, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we'll see where they go and what information is leaked. But I think for now, um, we've got tons of stuff to do with just the main game and <laughs> um, sure. the DLC that just released. It's filled with cool so, stuff. For sure, yeah. I, agree, so I agree. I think it'll probably keep us occupied for a good long while. <laughs> yeah. 
So, yeah, oh my God, so much to look forward to. I'm super excited for that. Um, now, let's, that's, I guess that's pretty much it. Uh, we've raved about uh, how much we like this DLC. Anything that you could think of that could have been different? Let's talk about that if there is anything. I have, um, we, I think we have very few complaints in general with this. But. Yeah, I mean, I think the DLC, it was a good length. It didn't feel too long. Mm-hmm. Um, probably, I think, I guess the only thing is that the, the cult, some of the cultists were not tied to the main story. So it's mm-hmm. nice. I mean, I personally don't mind having extra targets to hunt down. Um, yeah, I like just having cool extra things thing to, to do. do. Um, yep, 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 but, yep. I, you know, from a story point of view, it's like if they're not tied to the story, why are they even there? Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, you can have a cult with like four or five members, I guess. I don't really see why that's like if somebody was concerned about the size of the cult, I don't think that that's, at least for me, a small target list is not an issue. But um, beyond that, I mean, no, I can't really think of anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were most of the features in this game, like in terms of like the trading posts and stuff, that was like new and refreshing. Um, yeah, and it was pretty I cool, think, actually. Yeah. yeah, the DLC didn't drag on too long, I think. It's You'll probably finish it in a day if you, you know, are a good gamer, which I am not. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you're, you're, she's a liar. She's pretty good at this, so she, you know, she's lying. <laughs> Uh, but, um, but I know yeah, what you I mean. mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That that's probably it for me. Was there anything that you thought could have been improved, or Actually, anything you didn't like? Not really. Uh, there's. I think this game cleared up a lot. It took the best of what Origins and Odyssey had to offer and refined that in a way that was different and yet a good callback to what Assassin's Creed is. I <laughs> feel like so. Right. Yeah. I feel like, like you said, the only thing is that not all the children of Danu were um, tied to the main story. To the main story, yeah, that's pretty much the only thing. But overall, super cool, uh, super cool stuff to do. Uh, new, uh, a whole new map to explore, which is always great. Right, uh, mm-hmm. new things to do, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a ton of fun. So yeah, if you guys haven't um, checked it out, we highly recommend it. I think it's um, there's like we were saying earlier, there's probably tons of spoiler free and um, spoilery <laughs> reviews and walkthroughs but all over the internet. <laughs> but if you've listened to us this far, you've already been spoiled. So yeah, but, but if you have you listened, listening. yeah, thank you. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we really do appreciate it. Feel free to give us suggestions on you know, uh, what you'd like to hear us talk about or if you have your own opinions on all this stuff. We'd love to hear from you guys. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. As always, our lovely theme song is Water Lily by the 126ers. The Nerdy Podcasts podcast is available on Anchor, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and you can follow us online at nerdy-podcasts.tumblr.com or at nerdypodcasts.wordpress.com.